wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're taking as our theme, Beyond the Grave, and we're asking, is death the ultimate dead end? Today our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginals, Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you again, Eric. Yeah, thanks, Gary. I'm just trying to warm up at the moment. Jeez, the winters are right. I tell you what, it's come a little bit early, hasn't it? I mean, this has been one of those real winter's days down here. I've had my trees being blown apart uh, <laughs> at home. Uh, I've uh, uh, It's been raining, storming, coming through and going, going out again. Uh, it really doesn't know what to do at the moment, does it? Well, yesterday was a beautiful day. I was actually down at Androssum with my, one of my mates and we were fishing down there. We travelled an hour and a half down there and it was blowing a gale. I don't know if you saw on the news last night down at Port Wakefield, uh, there nah. was dust storms everywhere. We didn't catch anything. You, we didn't ca- you went down there on a day like that. I, I would have said, if you'd caught something on a day like that, I would have said, hey, you, you are a better fisherman than what I am. Well, we're sitting on the jetty, the hair blowing everywhere, and we didn't catch a jolly thing, but anyway, it was Why fun. did you choose Androssum? Well, we've well, we've kind of tried a few places around Adelaide, but uh, yeah, I don't know if the place has been fished out, but we heard that that was a good place. But unfortunately, we picked a blustery day, and and the the dust storm was was mighty. But it was an enjoyable time. We had a good time. Yeah, time yeah, flies yeah. when you're sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, nothing nothing I enjoy more than a day out fishing. But it's got to be to me the right weather. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't like sitting and getting cold. I no. don't like sitting in the in the blistering heat. I like the temperature to be somewhere around 21 and up to about 23 maximum, um, with, with no wind. Well, uh, I like. Uh, I really like, you know, somewhere between 25 and 32. That's why I'm in my shorts tonight because I'm hanging on to that summer as long as I but you're can. You're a Kiwi. I would have thought, <laughs> I would have thought that you would have liked 15 to 18. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eric, tell me, have you got the Faith FM app installed on your phone? Yes, I have. I, I found actually that, um, living up, uh, going to church up at Birdwood there and uh, living at, uh, Blakeview, the, the reception can be a little shaky, but I've actually found with the app, uh, I don't know. It just seems to be a better, a better coverage for me, and and it's so easy to use, and you can yeah, look back at yeah, programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Faith uh, FM app is really a real beauty, you know, because mm. I know that you know I drive around. Of course, because we transmit on low power FM, mm. you tend to cruise into and out of uh, reception. But of course, the Faith FM app, you actually get uh, reception through the telephone system, mm. uh, which means you get perfect reception. Well, wherever the phone gets reception, you get reception. Well, thanks for explaining the technical technology of that but I, I do I find that it's much clearer and much better and it's so easy to use it was so simple to download that app yeah just yeah, go online yeah. and download it and you've got it there for and of course day. if any of our listeners want to download that app mm. all they've got to do is to go to their favorite app store uh, and look for do a search for faith FM Australia now make sure yeah. you add the Australia to that faith FM because if you don't you'll get the American version yeah. and you'll get American voices uh, speaking That's to so you much. and uh, you know if you like 
like American voices, that's fine. But uh, <laughs> hey, uh, myself, I I like the Australian voices myself. So yeah, Faith got, FM Australia. I've got the uh, Australian voice in my GPS in my car as well, not the American one. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you've got to do that. You have to make that uh, that particular adjustment. That's re- that's really important. Uh, well, look, let's come to our World Watch segment. Uh, the, Eric, did you realise we've just passed the annual Bitcoin Pizza Day? That occurred on May 22. No, no, I actually didn't. And in fact, I struggle to understand Bitcoin. I've, I've kind of looked into a little bit, but it, it sort of puzzles me, but I know that it's booming. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, well, it actually puzzles me totally. I don't get it one little bit, and I, I've stayed well clear of this thing because if I don't understand it, I don't get into it. And uh, even if I did, I'm not sure that I would, the way the thing actually goes up and down and around the mulberry tree. Um, but, you know, this day, the Bitcoin Pizza Day that occurs on apparently May 22 each day, this marks the day in 2010 when the first Bitcoin purchase was made. And the first Bitcoin, when I heard this, I saw I thought, oh, you have to be, you have to be joking. Um, the first Bitcoin purchase uh, was made by a pizza fellow. Um, he actually exchanged two pizzas for ten thousand bitcoins. I, uh, I when I when I read this story, I sort of thought, hey, this is this is almost outside the realm of credibility. But apparently, it is actually true. This is this is what they said in May 10, two thousand and ten. California student Jeremy Sturviant, uh, then nineteen noticed a bizarre request on a cryptocurrency internet forum. He could receive 10,000 bitcoins at the time reportedly valued at roughly $41 uh, in exchange for the delivery of two large pizzas uh, to his home. Uh, he filled the order, sending him two large pizzas, uh, a cheese and a supreme pizza from Papa John's, uh, a transaction that would ultimately become the first physical purchase made with Bitcoin in history. It marked the annual, and, and this May 22, marked the annual Bitcoin Pizza Day. Um, but Sturviant uh, didn't save the Bitcoins for the future. Instead, he spent all of them. Uh, it turned out on, on a bit of travel. Uh, today, uh, that lowly 10,000 Bitcoin haul would be worth in the billions. I had no idea how huge it would become, Sturdivant said. Uh, but despite losing out on boundly, boundaryless riches, the now 30-year-old said that he's proud to have played just a little part in a big global phenomena. Uh, Eric, tell me something. Have you got any regrets, any any regrets that you've got in your life? <laughs> well, I bet that guy has because those pizzas, apparently it was $41 he gave those 10 he, he spent a lot of money <laughs> on those pizzas, didn't he? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, I do. Um, I think we all have regrets, don't we, in life? Yeah. Um, and I think one of, one of mine was too, um, uh, being uh, self-employed, are working too much and not spending time with the family uh, and the wife in their earlier years. Yeah. Uh, I do regret that. I wish – I'm trying to make up for that now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Spend as much time as I can with the grannies and children, but I do really regret that. That's time lost, time gone. Yeah. I wish I could have time back again and just spend more time with my family instead of – I know we have to pay the bills and everything, but having that balance and giving more time to my family, I, I really wish I could have that time. You know, you know, Eric, I'm really interested that you do actually say that because um, there was another article that I did 
did actually uh, pull uh, pull down just uh, um, just a, a little while ago. Uh, it was actually a compilation that one company did uh, listing the 25 biggest regrets of people in their life. And uh, the question they asked is, what are uh, yours? And, you know, to me, as I uh, looked at them, you know, there was uh, uh, some that, well, jumped out at me. You know, I, I know it's number four was, uh, uh, I wish I had turned off my phone more. Hmm. I left and left my phone at home more. Many of us can't get off our phone email addiction. We sleep with us next to us. We carry it with us constantly. It's right next to us in the shower just in case we see a new email uh, light uh, that streams through the shower glass. Uh, we know co- we are constantly checking email and Twitter in the evenings. And, you know, I was interested that people are actually saying, hey, you know, uh, one of the regrets that I've got is that um, I haven't turned off my phone enough um, um, another one that somebody actually said was they wish they had uh, stayed in touch with some good friends from my childhood and youth there's usually at least one childhood or high school friend who we were best buddies with said uh, uh, said this particular person and then one of us moved away we might have stayed in touch but we actually got too busy that's really significant. Mm. Something from our background, something from our history. One um, of the ones I think too, Gary, for me, and I've always um, thought about it and regretted it is um, not only with my family, but spending time with my mum and dad when I was growing up. You know, like you just think of your mum and dad as, as mum and dad, you know, but just having that connection with them and spending uh, some quality time with them because you kind of, when you get in your teenage years, you don't, you take them for granted. That's what I'm trying to say. You yeah, take your parents yeah, for granted yeah. and uh, they provided everything. We just take what they provided us for granted. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's one of the big regrets I have that's, as well. That, that's know? really true, actually, Eric. You know, I know just recently we, uh, uh, my my father-in-law, my, my wife's uh, father uh, passed away just, just at the beginning of, of this year. But uh, he was living on the East Coast he, he, we actually invited him to come down and he lived with us for uh, about 16 or 18 months before he passed away. He was in his in his mid-90s. But, do you know, uh, we recognised that time was actually uh, moving on. And uh, the closer he got to actually what became the, the day of his death, uh, the more we said, hey, look, you know, we really want to spend time yeah. uh, with him. And uh, you recognise that at that time, uh, you have actually haven't spent enough time uh, together. And yes, you can make up something, but you know, um, you have lost something in the past as well. And, 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 and I know that we certainly uh, did pick up and understood that particular feeling. You know, the, the number one um, thing that came, has come through on a number of lists, however, um, the 25 biggest regrets, number one, working so much at the expense of family and friendships. And, you know, Eric, that's the one that you, you've actually mentioned. How do you balance meeting the short-time deadline at work and sitting down for dinner with your family? It's mm. tough. There are always worries. But what will my boss and my co-workers think? Uh, it's uh, not a big deal if I stay late this one time. I'll make it up to the family and friends at the weekend. But the making up never seems to happen. Days turn into months, then years into into decades. You know, what is all this saying to you, Eric, about, you know, I mean, this is all relational stuff that people are regretting 
at the very end of their lives. What does it say to you? Well, this is family, isn't it? Blood and life and uh, the blood that runs through your system through family. And I think it means that, you know, God has given us a family to, to nurture and to be together. I, I remember Pastor Gary, uh, one of my earliest memories was playing, you know, rugby at, uh, when I was under five stone seven a long time ago. But I remember my parents being on the sideline and yelling for me, being actually there made such a huge, imp- I still remember it today that they yeah. were there. Yeah. Supporting me, yeah. and I think that's what it is in the family unit. Is a supportive unit that binds together through love, and these things are precious. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. you, you, and um, as you get older, you realise that more and more. But Indeed. when you're young. Indeed. When you're young, you don't you don't sort of think of these things. I know one of the great you know things that I I, I really appreciate having been able to do is that I, I I was able to spend some time as coach for my my kids in yeah. basketball. Now I'm not I'm no great basketball coach. Uh, in fact, I think I struggled to actually uh, be able to give them uh, much more uh, uh, than uh, than a little bit of confidence. But you know that was something that I really enjoyed being able to uh, to do. Yeah, well, you uh, know, my daughter-in-law Leah, she's coaching now basketballing she's never played basketball in her life <laughs> but she's doing it and they've been beaten quite often at the Prescott school yeah, yeah. and yeah. then they had their first win the other week and up it went and wow <laughs> she was yelling and screaming you know that's what it's all about isn't it just doing your best yeah being yeah, there yeah, for yeah. them you know? You, you know Eric you know it, it really says something about the importance of family relationships you know mm. we actually live in a world that's become so techno friendly yeah. uh, that the screen uh, does seem to rule almost every part of our life and yet increase Increasingly, I'm just so conscious that in the uh, in the Word of God, you know, what we get is this um, uh, call to actually bonding to occur. You know, I, I think of myself. I think of uh, Deuteronomy chapter six. I love uh, this uh, this particular passage because it really says something to me. And this is, uh, of course, God. He's speaking through uh, through Moses to the um, to the Israelites, and, and he says this. And these words which I command you today will be in your heart. Teach them diligently. Gently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You know, as I sort of read that, I sort of say, hey, you know, this is a passage where we've got God commanding mums and dads to actually have relationship with their children. Yep. And I, and I think in a busy world, Pastor Gary, I think that we can be given out so much to other people, either through work or through sport, that we neglect the very ones that need our love the most. And that's our little core, our little family together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Problem. No, that's, that, that's incredibly powerful what you're actually saying there. I, I think this, I really appreciated this, uh, this yeah. article, you know, because yeah, we've all, we've all got those regrets from the, from the Bitcoin pizza guy who <laughs> Who, uh, uh, who had 10,000 bitcoins uh, for uh, just two pizzas and uh, squandering the whole uh, uh, the whole amount. Oh, the regrets today, um, two uh, big regrets. But, you know, the wonderful thing is that it's physically possible uh, to actually change those regrets into, uh, into wonderful victories uh, when we just change uh, and start functioning the way the Scriptures actually lay on us you know to me that's exciting that's wonderful but guys look let's come to some uh, uh, some music Uh, love uh, this uh, this particular song this is uh, Audrey Asad Uh, it is well with my soul when peace like a river attends 
Now, folks, we've got a, a wonderful like, giveaway uh, offer for you today. Uh, this week, the uh, subject that we're, uh, we're dealing with is the subject is death, the ultimate end. And we're talking beyond the grave. Uh, we've got a book for you uh, this week. Uh, the book is entitled Secrets Beyond the Grave. Today, the confusion surrounding the afterlife is more widespread than ever, causing heartache for millions. Millions who have lost loved ones. Hollywood and television are now focusing intently on the spirit world. But what are their fantastic portrayals? Are they just imagination or they, are they grounded in some sort of reality? Uh, this book, uh, Secrets Beyond the Grave, is one that is designed to really dig into what the scriptures teach on this issue of, uh, of death and the grave. Now, folks, also, uh, using the same number that I'm going to give you in just a moment, if you've got any questions, uh, if you've got any, uh, any quest, any feedback that you'd like to give, um, any questions concerning this subject of, of death, then please Please feel free to text us uh, through on this same number. Now, uh, our our text number is uh, 04, this is our studio text number, 0488-880-811. That number is 0488-880-811. If you would like the book, just request the book Secrets Beyond the Grave. And also, if you could give us your your name, your address and your telephone number, uh, we'll get that to you by the fastest uh, possible means and the book again is Secrets Beyond the Grave or if you've got uh, any questions that you might have on this particular subject please feel free to text those through just to Pastor Gary here at 0488 880811 Uh, we'd love to be able to respond uh, to you you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today, our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week, we're taking as our theme, Beyond the Grave, and today we're asking, is death the ultimate a dead end? You've probably heard the uh, phrase so many times, there's nothing certain but death and what, Eric? Death and taxes, you've heard the phrase. Do you know, as a pastor, I'm so conscious that most people actually do an incredible amount of planning around their taxes. I actually knew a mate. He went to absolute extreme lengths uh, to avoid uh, tax, to, well, he called it tax minimization. I'm not sure when minimization starts and avoidance starts, but uh, uh, certainly uh, he, uh, he was into minimizing tax. Uh, but ultimately, we can't avoid death. I'm amazed, actually, Eric, at how little time people put into understanding this subject. You know, I'm so conscious that when I, I hear people talk of planning for death, they realise the rec- uh, the importance of, of making sure a will is is written. That's important. But, you know, understanding this question is something that most people put no time into. And yet understanding it, I believe, brings incredible comfort, uh, certainly in my experience, in dealing with a lot of people who are actually facing death, a lot of people find incredible comfort once they understand what the scriptures actually teach on this particular subject. But look, Eric, today our, our particular question that we've asked you to, to, to look at is this whole, whole question of uh, how did Jesus relate to death? 
Well, Pastor Gary, <clears throat> there's two thoughts in the Christian world on this. Uh, when I was growing up uh, and went to church every now and then through my earlier years, I was taught from the pulpit that when we die, we go straight to heaven. Um, and uh, when my mother died uh, in her early, well, she was in her 50s, quite young, um, I always thought that, that, uh, that um, you know, when you die, you go straight to heaven. Um, but then through the study of scriptures and what Jesus is talking about tonight here, as we study the scriptures, Jesus many times talk about this topic of death. And he used it in such a way that leads us into an understanding of what really happens when we die, mm. which gives me great comfort, like you, to know actually what's going on here. Because you just can't take one text. You've got to take them all and line them all up. And there's a theme right through the Bible, right from the beginning, right even from Genesis, uh, where it talked about us being formed uh, out of the dust of the earth. And this subject here, I think, uh, as I get older, I find I'm thinking a bit more about mm. about death mm. and sort of. Well, constantly. certainly, you know, particularly as as pastors. I mean, uh, this is one subject that I'm so conscious that almost on a, a a day's notice, you know, somebody will ring me up, and it'll happen to me three or four times a year. Somebody will ring me up and say, "Pastor, uh, somebody in my family is either dying or has passed away. Can you go either to the hospital or can you come and visit us? We'd like you to take the uh, take the." funeral and you know as I sit down and talk to families uh, I realise that uh, hey this is the area where there is so little uh, well placed planning taking place Uh, this is the area if preparation for death and the afterlife happens at all it's limited to the writing of a will but you know to me as I look at what the scriptures teach it's just so much more uh, than that uh, that can actually bring comfort incredible comfort uh, to the person who is either dying or if they um, are uh, are sick mm. who can help them prepare for uh, for the future that's right you know um, Jesus says uh, that he has the keys of death and Hades and Hades being translated means uh, hell or the grave. And uh, so, you know, there is comfort there that keys are a symbol of authority. Jesus is sovereign over death. And Christ's conquest of death was permanent and external. And what he actually talks about many times, I think it's over 36 times in the Bible where Jesus, when he talks about death, uses the word sleep. Yeah. And that to me was a revelation. That to me was a revelation because as we go through this, it, it, it becomes clear on what, and not only Jesus, but the prophets yeah. and the disciples, even Peter talked about it a lot yeah. about this. They understood it. And you know, Eric, a lot of people don't actually realize. I, on one particular occasion, I remember standing beside a, a graveside. I'd just done a, uh, a funeral and the, myself and the, the family had all dispersed. And for some reason, it was just myself and the funeral director uh, still sitting there and uh, just, just, just chatting together. And he made a comment to me that to this day impacts my mind. He said, he said, Gary, I really appreciate what it was you shared. Mm. It gives what you shared gives such wonderful hope. Now, you know, when the funeral director, I, I took that as probably the most affirming statement. 
that I had actually ever heard because funeral directors go to a couple of funerals at least every single day. This is their mode of operation. And for one of them to, you know, I don't know if he was a, a religious person or not, but he, he just really thanked me. He said, thank you for what you shared uh, today. He said, I really appreciated it because he said it just gives such amazing hope. And, you know, that to me is something that I look at this subject and I say, hey, that's the thing that I want to come out of this subject. That's the thing that I believe actually comes out of the scriptures. But, Eric, I'm taking your role for you. Please, let's come back <laughs> yes. to your, your age. And you're right, Pastor Gary. This does bring comfort. It's brought comfort to, to many people who understand it. But to actually understand it, you've got to um, empty yourself out. And, and for what we've been taught and, or how we've been conditioned to understand uh, this this idea of that when you go when you die you go straight to heaven. Um, there is a text in the Bible. There are many texts, but one that I'd like to start off with is uh, Ecclesiastes nine states: "For the living know they will die, but the dead know nothing. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going." So it's saying here that there is nothing that you understand once you die there's nothing that lives on to give you understanding which is is um, all part of it because you know when you go back to genesis uh, which is very important it says and the lord god formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul other bible translations say and man became a living being god did not put a soul into man he formed the body from the dust of the ground and then he breathed his life-giving spirit into the lifeless body and the result was a soul or a living being and when a person dies the reverse takes place the breath of life departs from the body and the soul no longer exists and that's what the bible says the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to god who gave it and, and of course that that you know, spirit itself is more uh, probably better translated a life force because there are mm-hmm. some some who would say hey you know you've got this spirit thing up there that mm-hmm. is you know floating off up to uh, up to god uh, whereas no what we're actually talking about in the scriptures here is something that i actually prefer to translate as a life force so that you get god forming the body then empowering them when he was on earth he actually um raised a number of folk who had died. What he had done, he said, what he did was he took the body and he imparted to it a life force and the person was able to stand up again. Mm. Uh, but, you know, to me, um, when the life force dissipates, mm. You've actually got a dead body or a dead soul. Because yesterday we did actually look at this issue and we noticed that the soul that sinners, that sins, it shall die. Oh, that, right. that to me is an incredibly powerful and important statement. Um, but, yep. But so therefore, if the, if the fact is that some people believe that the body dies, but the soul lives on, Jesus has, uh, his words speak differently of this. Um, in Daniel 12, 2, it describes the dead as those who sleep in the dust of the earth who shall later awake through being resurrected. And you're right. There are many times that Jesus rose people from the grave and he, and he 
you know, he talked about as asleep. We we look at John, for instance. Uh, in John, it talks about Lazarus, and it talks there a, a good friend of Jesus. And uh, he told them before going to Bethany, Jesus discussed the condition of Lazarus with the disciples. He told them that Lazarus was asleep, and that he was going to awaken him. And the disciples responded that sleep was good because it would help him get well in verse 12. And then Jesus being plainly told them, Lazarus is dead. And notice that Jesus stated emphatically that Lazarus was dead, but at the same time he described death as a condition like sleep. So when he Mm. cried out with a loud voice and he raised Lazarus up, um, you know, he didn't call for the spirit, if if there was a spirit in heaven, to come down. How much of a downer would it have been if Lazarus was in heaven and was called down to the earth again? This sleep that we're talking about here is not like we sleep. It's not a function where we dream and there's um, mental activity. Yeah, this yeah. is a condition of just totally knowing nothing. Yeah. And we, we often say, you know, to a person who is sleeping, uh, who, who has died, rest in peace. peace. Yeah, that's you right. know. That really says something, doesn't it? It does. And so, you know, and they said, what, oh, look, you know, he's, he's smell. Why didn't you come earlier? Because he delayed for three days. This is Lazarus. This is Lazarus. Yes, yeah. he said, why, why, you know, he'd be smelling. He, they didn't understand that when he spoke the word sleep, he was talking about death, that he was at peace. And that's what it means when we go to the grave and we die. We're actually at peace. We're in a restful place. We're waiting for the resurrection. Yeah. We're not, there's not, uh, it's somebody said to me, and I, I totally agree with this. It's like, you know, you have your phone and it dies, you know, you've, you've been storing your information up in the cloud. Your phone dies on you. So when you get a new phone, you actually get the information back into the phone and it, it's, it makes sense again. And that's what it's like when we're, when we're resurrected. What, what goes up to God is just the spirit. He takes that back, but it's stored. And then when we're, when we're resurrected, new life, we're back whole again. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's the way. In I other words, man was created as a physical being. He was given life at the very beginning and empowered to be a physical being. But when death comes, the physical being actually goes back to the form that it was before the individual was created by God. And to me, as I look at that, I just simply say, hey, uh, this is something that is actually quite simple. This isn't super complex. No. And there's many texts that talk about, like Psalms 93 to 6 says, you turn man back into dust. And say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passed by. Uh, and then another one says in Job 7.21, Why then do you pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now I will lie down in the dust, and you will seek me, but I will not be. He's talking about the grave. Mm. That's the resting place. That's mm. quite obvious in all that it says here. Another one, it says here, in Psalms 13.3, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God, and lighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. So yeah. this is clear that he's tell, telling us now that when we die, we don't know anything after. There are many texts that say you don't even return to your house, it says in the Bible as well. And so um, he's talking here about uh, dying and going to the grave, Hades, another translation for hell, but the hell is actually, there's no place below the ground either that's 
that's uh, a place called hell. The the grave is where we lie until Jesus comes again. Until there's uh, another one. Uh, another one. Mark five thirty nine. And entering in, he said to them, "Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep." So this mm. is why he's he's talking about this. You know, I you know often I've I've often thought about that and thought that you know when my mother I thought was in in heaven I thought you know she was there. But I understand now that why would Jesus come back again if the Spirit is up there? Why would he come back and change our bodies again? Why bother with that? We're already up there. It didn't yeah. make sense yeah. to me as I studied the Bible and it became clearer. You know, I, actually, I was actually studying the Scriptures with somebody at one particular occasion and um, when, uh, when I shared this with, the, uh, with this particular lady, uh, she actually made a comment to me. She said, Gary, she said, the thing that you don't realise is that I lost a very young child. I want to think that they are actually in heaven. And you know, when I real, I realize that this, and this is something that was giving her incredible emotional support. But I, I said to her, I said, Hey, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that, you know, a, uh, a, a mother, uh, a mother pass, uh, maybe a, um, uh, a, a mother passes away mm. and suppose, you know, and goes to heaven. You know, I'll just use this other, other uh, possibility, um, I said, would it be better or worse for that mother to be able to see the problems and the suffering and the pain that the family was actually going through and be able to do nothing about it? I said, can you imagine it if a mother saw her daughter uh, getting involved with a wrong fellow? Can you imagine if she becomes um, uh, committed to a drunkard, gets beaten regularly. Can you imagine if, in fact, she became um, addicted to drugs and could do nothing about it? I said, would heaven be heaven mm. or would heaven be hell? I said, how kind is God to be able to say, until the resurrection, I'm going to leave you sleep. Rest in peace until I come again. How good is our God. Mm. And, you know, it's when I said that, that uh, she actually, a, a penny did actually drop and she realised that, uh, yeah, uh, for that mother, heaven could actually become hell if she was forced to watch the troubles that her family were going through here on earth. And when you go to sleep, the next thing you see is the coming of Jesus. How, how wonderful is that? I had a friend, um, an Aboriginal lady who... Uh, I met up, I knew years ago, and I caught up with her in the hospital, and she had diabetes. She had one leg amputated, yeah. and she was waiting in there for the other one to come off with diabetes. And she said, look, um, uh, Pastor Eric Davy was with me there, and we went up to see her. And she said, look, um, I'd like to resume my Bible studies. I know I'm, I'm at near the end of my life, but she said, um, I've never been baptized, and uh, you know, I want to... I want to, I want to be baptized. So we had studies with her and uh, a week later she had the other leg amputated and she said uh, um Eric she said is it possible for someone with no legs to be baptized and I said sure you know <laughs> anything's possible with the Lord so the day came when she gave her heart to the Lord she was baptized and the Samoan uh, church uh, men actually carried her into the font and sat her on a chair and she was baptized in there and she said to me something interesting she said you know now I'm at peace but she said now I'm going to lie when I go I'm going to lie 
waiting for Jesus to come in the grave. I know what's happening. I know he's going to come and get me. And you know, about five days later, she passed away. Yeah, yeah. Now that was, to me, was an emotional experience. But she was at peace. She was comforted by what the scripture, she understood. And do you know, Pastor Gary, it's very interesting, but uh, even way back, the early church understood that it was asleep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They actually realized that they... Um, it occurred uh, quite quite a while ago, um, back as late as the fifth century. The brilliant, the the most popular opinion back then was that you were asleep, waiting for the resurrection, right up to the fifth yeah, century. Yeah. And even Martin Luther actually understood that. He actually um, he actually wrote in a letter. Uh, it says here. Um, On what authority can it be said that the souls of the dead may not sleep? He writes, in the same way that the living pass into a profound slumber, the interval between the down line at night and the uprising in the morning. So it, even Martin Luther understood it. You know, to, mm. to me, I think you make a beautiful point there, Eric, because I know that to me it was interesting. I, I, I In twice in my life I've had uh, general anaesthetic. And, you know, to me that was yeah. a remarkable experience because yeah. uh, to me I uh, – I, I, I remember, you know, going into the operating theatre. I remember the, the doctor saying, okay, we're going to, you know, we're just going to sedate you. Well, it was actually giving me the general anaesthetic and I was out mm. to it. The next thing I very, I remember I was in recovery. There was no memory. It's only ever happened to me twice, but no memory. It's deeper than the deepest sleep. And suddenly I realised that what death is actually like, what death is actually like is the person who has died back in 1700. They have no knowledge of the passing of time. It's as though they're under a very deep anaesthetic. They are sleeping uh, very deeply until Jesus Christ comes again. And you know, to me as I look at that, I say, hey, what a, what a blessing that actually is. This person no longer has to deal with the troubles, the pains, the heartache of this world. They just simply go to bed. They go shut eye. They go sleep. You know. And to me, when I realized that, I thought, hey, what a wonderful God we actually serve. This isn't the God who is um, burning anybody in hell. Well, next week, by the way, we're going to deal with this subject of hell because there are a lot of people who've got questions about the subject of hell. So if you're interested in that subject, uh, next week's the time for to, to, to come and come and join join with us. Uh, but you know, Eric, I, I think what you're expressing here is a very beautiful thought. And I think what we, we need to understand is that when it's said that Jesus breathed into the, um, when they formed uh, Adam out of the dust, he became a living soul. So what happens when you take the breath away is that the body dies, but the breath is taken back. Everything is passed away. Then what he takes back is actually the spirit, the God-giving power that he has to create life. The life force is a, it's it's a, a better word. The life force mm. is something that I think the same life force that he used to resurrect people when Jesus was on earth. Because on a number of occasions, he went in with Lazarus. Mm. What did he do? He said, Lazarus, come forth. And in saying Lazarus come forth, what he was actually doing is taking the dead body and just simply imparting life force to it. He has power over life and death. Mm. Um, so in calling Lazarus out, he's not calling him back down from heaven. Mm. He's just simply calling um, for Lazarus to rise up again. And it's exactly the same thing. And we can, we'll come to this in just a moment. But Eric, look, let's come to a break because sure. uh, I think we do need a break. Uh, I uh, I really appreciate Michael, Michael Card and this 
this uh, this particular song is one El Shaddai, a beautiful, a beautiful worship uh, worship song. Please enjoy a Michael Card El Shaddai.
是大。And that was Michael Card, El Shaddai. Now our free gift for you today again is is that book Secrets Beyond the Grave. Now if you'd like to have a copy of it, please just text your your name, your address, your phone number,、uh, and the title of the book Secrets Beyond the Grave、uh, to our studio、um, text number here, which is o four double eight double eight o. Eight eleven. That number again is o four double eight double eight o eight eleven. Also, if you've got any any questions that you've got on this particular subject,、uh, experiences that you may have had, then please、uh, feel free to text those to us. We'd love to be able to hear、uh, from you. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with、uh, Pastor Gary. Today, our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh Day Adventist Church. And this week, we're taking as our theme beyond. The grave, and today we're asking: Is death、uh, the ultimate dead end? And we're looking particularly at、uh, the life experience of Jesus Christ. Eric, help us out. We need to bring this all into a conclusion. Did Jesus have anything else to say about this whole subject of death? Well, we've learnt that Jesus talks about death as a sleep. <clears throat> Many texts have、uh, indicated that, and also. The resurrection of those that he raised from the dead, calling them out of the grave, and there's three beautiful、uh, sections of passages.、Uh, the first one comes from John five twenty eight and twenty nine, where that's not the end. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back, and he's going to raise us up. It says in verse twenty eight, "Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life." And those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation, so all will be raised. Another one is this here found in First、um, uh, Thess- Thessalonians four fifteen to seventeen, where it says, "For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. God Himself."、Mm-hmm. Will raise them up, and the last one I'd like to share: for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. So when this incorruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. And I think that's beautiful. You know that that、uh, that Jesus is going to mark the place that we lay. We go back to the dust. The Creator who breathed the life into us. We at the end of our days, because of sin. We die. We go back to the grave, and God takes back that that breath of life, that power of of、uh, of life. He takes back, and then when He comes again, it says there that the graves will open, the dead in Christ will rise and meet those who are alive, and they will go together. That to me is a beautiful picture depicted.、Yeah. I've seen in many.、Yeah. Many drawings and paintings that have been yeah, done, yeah, and no, that's the comfort. That's the that's the not a hope, a reality. That's a reality, and and that、mm. to me is the beautiful thing. And you know, the thing that I'm so conscious of is that people who actually are facing death and they actually have this hope, there is they're able to face death far more confidently. Because they have answers to the big questions of life.、Mm. You know, there are three really big questions. You know, where did I come from? What am I doing here? 
and where am I going? They're the three that regarded as philosophical questions, but they're actually biblical questions because biblically we are actually provided answers to those questions. You know that uh, that passage that you read in uh, uh, John chapter five twenty eight and twenty nine. Mm. I don't know how many times I've actually read this. Mm. At a graveside, mm. I know that I uh, I had the privilege. I actually took my own mother's uh, funeral. Uh, I led it at that time. Uh, I was certainly took a, a significant part in my in my father's funeral. But this was one passage that we tried to include. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. You know, to me, where are they? They are actually in their graves and they will hear his voice but they will come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now we're going to dig into next week particularly that next particular, what, what that does actually mean. We're not dealing with that this week. But to me, I think the significant thing here is what we've got is Jesus Christ is actually going to call people from their graves. Yeah. And I think that Jesus here through the Bible is, he's bringing comfort to us. He's given us a clear picture of, of what, what's going to happen at the end of time. And he's warning us against the deception. He's telling in many places in the Bible, don't go to people who say they can talk to spirits, because we've learnt that the, you know that there is no afterlife. That, that life doesn't go on. In other words, the, the the spirits that you might claim to actually something's going on there. Yeah, it is, but it's not your it, it's not your mum. It's not your dad. It's not your friend. It's not your uncle. It's not the uh, the great person three times removed from you. There's mm-hmm. something certainly going on, yeah, and you can be fooled. People can be fooled. Oh yes, because that's another subject in itself. But it, but uh, you know there are evil angels, and, and they can create things. And we have got to be very careful that we we understand what Jesus has given us this warning yeah. that we stay yeah. away from those things because those things there can lead us off on a different track. I'm glad you actually mentioned that. Eric, but look, just uh, I'm conscious our time is running. But look, you actually deal with an abor- you actually lead an Aboriginal congregation here in in Adelaide. I'm just wondering, do they deal with death any differently than the traditional Caucasian uh, method? Uh, is there anything that the Aboriginal community could teach us about dealing with death? I do. I, I have been to quite a few Aboriginal funerals, and what I notice more is their mourning. Uh, and I'm, I know we all mourn, but um, openly and outwardly, they mourn for a longer period of time. Yeah, and they really um, let their emotions out, and and um, and uh, the unity within that is so powerful that when you go to those funerals, there's just complete wailing, like like what you read about in Bible times. Yeah, and it's such an out outlet of of emotion. But they do, they really, they carry on and they regard those that have passed before them, particularly the elders in, in high regard. Mm. Their teachings and their learnings, they will continue to, to bring up people who have passed, but what they actually stood for and, and what Bring they, up the teachings of the thing, uh, of what has passed. Yes, yes, that's right. So they try and hold on to that tradition, that culture, uh, and so the person isn't forgotten in that way. But I, I see a, a greater outpouring of mourning. Uh, it's like in New Zealand with the Maori people, you know, and and other ones. They often have the body on on view for three or four, or five days. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a yeah. lot of mourning and, and outpouring, and people can come and visit and pay yeah. their respects. The, certainly, the Caucasian. I mean, I, I'm very familiar with funerals. I, I I've conducted a couple of hundred funerals, certainly in my throughout my ministry. But I would increasingly uh, funerals have become clinical. 
Mm. Um, it's something that many funerals these days, you know, I mean, you've got 40 minutes to, to say farewell to the, uh, to the individual. And, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, it, it, I, I find as a pastor, it doesn't really give a person the opportunity to say farewell. And and what's sad about that too, Pastor Gary, is that often it's a funeral director that will take it that doesn't even really know the person that well. Yeah, it's yeah. not that connection. Whereas with a pastor who uh, has, you know, laboured for that person and, and knows that person, there's a deeper intimacy in, in, in bringing the family together on that point. So what is lost is quite often the Christian side of it is lost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's happening with weddings and, and things like that. Death is actually far more than just a celebration of life. Mm. You know, yes, it yes. is a celebration of life, and I'm happy to mm. happy to celebrate a person's life, but, you know, I want to give be able to give confidence that this death, mm. this is not the end. No. This is not what the – there is far more. You you only live once is what some say. Mm. But, you know, the Scriptures don't say that. No. You know, that you know we, we do not just live once no. because the, what the Scriptures teach death is that you will – death is not – the end. No, Death, it's not. Be not proud. Though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. John Donne wrote it many years ago. It was a powerful piece of poetry then, and it still stands the same today. Guys, let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I just want to pray that you'd be with anyone who is struggling with this particular subject. Lord, if there's anyone who doesn't have that hope, I pray that you might give them that hope. Uh, Lord, may they indeed uh, be able to uh, rest confident tonight that you are standing beside them and that if they were to die, uh, they would have incredible peace. Lord, these things we just ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Eric Hoare on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'm sharing with Pastor David Butcher and we're asking near-death experiences, are they real? Really look forward to you being with us. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.